Do you know what F-A-S-D stands for? Thank you for joining us. It's Neighbors in Need. I'm Sandy Waters, and Jennifer Farringer is back in with us from NCADD <laughs> to talk about FASD. How are you? A lot of acronyms. Good morning, Sandy. It's a pleasure to be back. So FASD stands for Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder. Yes. And right now, I think, Jennifer, we should play a little game. Sure. Myth and truths. So you tell us if it's a myth or mm-hmm. a truth. These are questions that we've all heard and we've all asked out loud when we were pregnant specifically. Having one or two drinks during pregnancy is okay. I remember my komare, my little godmother would say, ah, it's fine. It's just (laughs) one or two drinks. You'll be fine. Myth or truth? So certainly no one knows how much is too much with FASD. There's no exact science. So the safe message here is even drinking small amounts during pregnancy can cause permanent damage. So bottom line here is no safe level of time to consume alcohol or any other drugs during your pregnancy. That's an old school, little old Italian thing, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. And there's a lot of cultural things that are around yeah. this um, okay. myth. Two, myth or truth. If you use alcohol or other drugs early on in your pregnancy, there's no point in quitting later. And that's certainly a myth. The, the truth would be if you stop any time during your pregnancy, you improve the chances of having a healthy baby. So best scenario is not to drink during pregnancy at all. But say, for example, if halfway through or or later on in your first trimester, you get the message from your physician, from your primary care OBGYN, that, you know, it's really not a good idea, you can then seek treatment from that that point on. So at any point in time you can stop drinking during pregnancy, you're going to have that much better an outcome. And final, it's okay to drink beer or wine coolers during Mm -hmm. pregnancy because these substances are are not as strong. Yeah. Another myth, and the truth here is any alcoholic beverage is as damaging. So going with something that you perceive to be less alcoholic um, in percentage is not going to be particularly helpful. Another myth that's out and about is the myth around red wine that Mm. is somehow healthy, healthy for you or helpful for... Um, your well-being, and certainly that's not the case. So any bottom line here is any alcoholic beverages can be harmful for your unborn child. Okay. Um, NCADD, you guys, I mean, you are the go-to when it comes to any addiction, alcohol, drugs, gambling. Um, you're a great resource for our community. Um, and today we thought, Jennifer and I thought that we would just focus on fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. But if you have questions about anything else, um, go to the website, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Go to the website. You'll see our contact page. Give us a call. Drop an email. What is FASD? So we learned about a few of the myths and truths, but really what what is it? So FASD, fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, is really an umbrella term. And when you talk about it, it, it plays out in other disabilities as well. Now, for example, we don't talk about autism. We talk about autism spectrum disorders. And why? Because someone can be mildly, moderately, or very severely impacted anywhere across the range. The medical diagnosis, or one of the medical diagnoses under that umbrella is a term that you might have heard more frequently, and that's FAS, fetal alcohol syndrome. Okay. Forgive me for my ignorance here. Does it depend? If you have just a little bit of alcohol during your pregnancy... Mm -hmm. Can the impact be the same as a woman who drank 
throughout her entire pregnancy? No, and certainly okay. amount, you know, the, the amount you drink per day, per, per week, certainly will have a greater impact. We just want to have a clear message for women that there's no safe level of drinking yeah. and no safe level throughout their pregnancy for drinking. But obviously the person that's binge drinking, the person that, you know, has a problem with alcohol, drinking far too much is going to have that much more likelihood that her yeah. child will be impacted. And as a, this will be your first lesson, I guess, as a mom, mm-hmm. how you have mm-hmm. to take a back seat right. to your child. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to, whatever it takes to, have, to get to, the help. Mm-hmm, to ensure the best possible outcome. Yeah. And no mom, I want to say too, that no mom would set out to say, I want to have a, a child impact. Yeah. So often it's a matter of not having the information. You know, not hear, he, either hearing it clearly from your OBGYN, hearing some of the myths that still mm-hmm. are in the community. You know, you hear that stuff and you get confused. Or you have a problem with alcohol and it's very difficult to stop. You know, so no too for that woman for whom that's, that's hard to stop, that treatment is available, that a pregnant woman will have priority access to treatment. So, so there's hope. There's yeah. hope. And you guys will hold our hand, right? And help absolutely, us through the process. Absolutely. That's what you're here for. That's right. When we talk about FAS, what are common symptoms from a child? Because I know the last time you were in, we touched on it a little bit and it mm-hmm. was... It was something I wasn't aware of, the the side effects of just the littlest bit of alcohol that you can have in a pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So there's a variety of things. I think when people, again, think of FAS, the medical diagnosis, they think about that characteristic facial features. And because they think they're so focused on that, they, they lose or they might not be aware of the larger majority of kids that maybe not have any facial characteristics at all. And it might be purely impacting their brain, their central nervous system, their developmental um, pieces. So typically what someone shows is they're usually smaller. They're usually uh, smaller in height and weight. They're more impacted in terms of their developmental progression. So say you go to your pediatrician and your child isn't meeting what you would expect that child to meet at a certain age development or in the classroom, and very often kids aren't even diagnosed or you don't even think that this might be the issue until they get to the classroom, and they're not available or they're not able to self-regulate. What does that mean? You know, that they have problems regulating their emotions. They might have sudden outbursts. Um, Impulse control is a really tough one for these kids. Earlier than that, you might see some sleep problems or some... um, some twitching and nervousness. And again, because it's a spectrum, it can appear whether mildly or very severely. Most of the parents we have in our FASD parent support group talk about their kids not being able to, for example, sleep through the night. They're always going, it's very often confused with ADHD because they're hyper and they're going 90 miles an hour all the time. Yeah, and I was just going to say, all these little characteristics that you described are, you could brush it off as, oh, he's just a kid. Exactly. Or he's just a boy, yeah. or yeah. he'll yeah. grow out of that phase, or she will grow out of that phase. Yeah, and that's what makes it it different. Yeah. So if it those symptoms are more severe, that's when you start to get very concerned. You know, it's the severe disability. Uh, cognitively, not all kids are affected in terms of not being able to achieve in school. Most often, though, they're behavioral effect, affected, and that's where you really see it in the classroom. Again, the sudden outbursts, the difficulty with impulse. 
control. And it seems like if it is the case that it's just, um, you know, during the pregnancy, if it's rewiring their brain per se, yeah. nothing you can do is going to cheat. You can't reprimand them. You can't punish the no, kid because no. it's... No, they don't have control. And it's more than, you know, in, in addiction, we talk about the brain being rewired. And when we talk about that, well, you can uh, get treatment and you can actually rewire the brain. This is much more significant. If I could show you a slide, which I can't do on the radio, I realize, <laughs> but the actual size of the brain is much smaller with the child with FASD. Uh, the the brain actually looks different. Oh, um, wow. It. Totally. I mean, you can see why communication is so difficult with these children, even just by looking at the brain. You can see why, for example, left and right hemisphere of the brain aren't even closely defined. I mean, there's a severe physical impact on the brain, and that you don't get back. That happened during the development of the child in utero, and that you don't get back. What you do get back so I don't want to discourage to the point of, well, then why get a diagnosis if you can't do anything about it? If you can diagnose as early as possible, then you can put into place support services for that child yeah. so they don't start to develop secondary disabilities. And secondary disabilities would be things like mental health issues, trouble with the law as a adolescent or young yeah. adult, addiction themselves because they have poor uh, impulse control. I think so it would be more important than ever to diagnose early. So teachers, um, parents, everybody can understand why exactly. the child is doing what the child is doing. And Ex- you could, you know, you put guide them place. accordingly. Yeah. And you have support in, in place. For yeah. Them. So not to make light of it, it's, it's tough, but to have as much support in place for that child so they can be the best they can be or get to the best place they can How get do we to. get to that diagnosis, though? Because, uh, so say, yeah. a child is acting out in class and maybe a teacher listening to this brings mm-hmm. it up. Mm-hmm. What parent is going to admit to drinking during pregnancy? Aren't they so ashamed that well, they did? There is that, and certainly there is that. Um, but that makes the assumption that every parent with a child with FASD is that biological parent. Ah. When we know, in fact, certainly there are parents who are incredibly in shame because they know that their drinking during pregnancy caused uh, where their child is at now. Very often, though, those parents have given up those kids for adoption. For example, just to give you one example, we have run for over a decade a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder parent support group, and it wasn't designed this way, but because of the numbers are so much greater with adoptive parents, and especially adoptive out of country. So kids are, are adopted by parents who are seeking simply to adopt a child. They have no medical history, uh, particularly, and then there's a few countries where this is very pre- prevalent, that the likelihood for those children uh, to be impacted by alcohol. And it's, it's totally unknown. It's not apparent in any physical obvious feature when they're adopted. Yeah. But soon in the first few years, parents realize something's really wrong here. Can these kids grow up and be able to function if they're guided mm-hmm. correctly throughout their life? And again, it depends. So okay. message here is is diagnosis as early as possible, early intervention. Yeah. And we do have a, a program in town that does both diagnosis and provides early intervention services. So again, what you want to do, you can't change the physical impact in that child, mm-hmm. but you can potentially prevent those secondary disabilities from showing up. Are there more... Um, cases reported now because there's more knowledge, more awareness? 
I think so. I think so. And you, it's a relatively new uh, diagnosed set of diseases. Certainly, FAS has been around as long as there's been alcohol. But in terms of it being recognized as a medical disorder, you're talking mid-70s, early 1973. Okay. So it's, I mean, it's relatively yeah. new. Yeah. Um, it, the encouraging thing I'm finding is more and more physicians are including that conversation okay. in in their dialogue with a pregnant woman, you know, to make sure. Tobacco has been clear for a while. And now my hope is that alcohol, the risks of alcohol and drinking during pregnancy are as clear. And are the numbers encouraging with women um, cutting back on drinking, not drinking when they're pregnant? Are those numbers You know, we don't have good numbers. That is the frustrating thing. But what I can tell you statistically, there's a a range, about 2 to 5% of women are in impact or the unborn children are impacted with FASD. And that doesn't sound like maybe like a huge percentage, but that is comparable to those impacted by autism, okay. uh, sometimes even more. But yet we're much more familiar with autism. And when I go out and do educational sessions, I'll often have people in the audience that say, that sounds just like my child who has autism but doesn't have FASD. So there's overlapping overlapping uh, symptoms too. Mm-hmm. How do you definitively find out? Again, sometimes it's the physical disabilities. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's the certainly the knowledge of mom's drinking, which if you're an adoptive parent, you may or may not have that information. Yeah. But you can make the distinction. But there is there is overlap. FASD sometimes symptomatically looks a lot like autism looks a lot like it includes ADHD, but it's much more profound and maybe much more severe. How about the schools? Are they starting to um, build awareness around the schools amongst the teachers and faculty? Somewhat, somewhat. I think we need to do a much better job. I think the schools and the disability organizations are much more familiar with the variety of, shall I say, more well-known disabilities. Mm -hmm. And this is why it's important to get the message out. So if you assume, for example, that the child in your classroom is acting out because they have autism or oppositional defiant disorder or a variety of other symptoms, and you work with that child based on your knowledge of those symptoms, and then you get frustrated because it's not working. Because why? Because you haven't recognized that there's this physical cognitive impairment yeah. Uh, so you have to do things differently. Uh, you have to be aware that one, FASD is in the mix, and then you have to be prepared to work differently with this child. Wow. If you want to learn more about FASD, um, NCADD is the website to go to, ncadd-ra.org. Jennifer Ferringer, thank you so much for everything that you do, getting the word out. And... Um, Hopefully someday when you come back in, you'll say, okay, we got the word out enough where this is not as much of a problem. I would love that. Yeah, wouldn't happen. that be great? It would be wonderful. Put yourself out of a job. Would that be wonderful? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks, Andy.